I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. Well, the company accidentally gave all of us each other's compensation information. And I discovered that I was underpaid versus my peers of equal experience and training by $35,000. Kim File has 32 years in C-suite executive positions with a number of top public companies such as Walgreens, Frito-Lay, Sara Lee Corporation, and OfficeMax. She elected to move into the world of entrepreneurship with her venture in a healthy energy drink, Aspire, which is delicious and refreshing, by the way. Kim talks about how important having developed deep relationships during her corporate career has helped her in success as an entrepreneur. She talks about unconscious bias, citing stories of covert and overt gender bias. Enjoy listening to Kim File. So welcome, Kim. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good. I was introduced to uh, to Kim by Mark Addy, an executive with Phillips Edison, one of uh, one of our clients, Pico, uh, which is based here in Cincinnati, a large owner of retail centers in the country. And you are Mark's sister-in-law. Yes, I'm so lucky my sister married him. He's yes, a wonderful man. He is a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. And when Mark heard about my podcast, he said, you need to talk to Kim. So I reached out to you, and thankfully you said yes. So I'm very excited about talking to you today. Well, I'm honored. I really am. You're doing a wonderful thing for a lot of us, and we really appreciate what you're doing. Good. Thank you. I love doing it. Well, let's start here. Uh, You have a 32-year corporate career. As an executive, you've been with Walgreen, OfficeMax, Sara Lee Corporation, Kimberly Clark, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay. I read a, the, your resume five pages. Um, <laughs> and now and you have your own consulting company, KLF Strategy Consulting. You serve on many advisory boards and nonprofit boards. You were nominated to Fortune Magazine's Executive Dream Team in 2011, dubbed a futurist. So anytime you feel insecure or lack confidence, pull your five-page resume out and read it. That thing is, (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. Thank you. (laughs) It is very good. Um, So give me a synopsis about with your corporate career. Just, you know, highlight uh, your, your corporate career. Uh, some of the highlights there, and then talk about uh, your company. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I really feel blessed, Susan, for the the career I've had. I spent those years in manufacturers, retailers, and in consulting, all in the consumer packaged goods industry. And so being able to have that sort of 360 view of consumer goods was something I didn't set out and plan as my career path, but it worked out that way. And so um, you know, it was funny because I was a journalist and decided to go back to school to study publishing. I wrote a couple articles about Frito-Lay for a magazine and thought, what the heck, I'll interview with them. Ended up being an assistant brand manager on Doritos and my whole world changed. So cool. it was really luck and serendipity that allowed me to follow the path of a industry I have a great passion for. So mm-hmm. Um, I won't belabor the individual things in it, but one of the couple of the things that make it really stand out for me is that it was a time of change during the industry pretty significantly. And I was able to work on five acquisitions, three major billion dollar corporate restructurings, a corporate off across country office move and taking a public company private. 
And those big upheavals really shaped not just a career in great companies that I enjoyed, but a passion for transformation, for change leadership, and frankly, for trying to make things stronger and better as those changes occurred. And that's a different definition of a career than I think some people say. Mm -hmm. So uh, about six years ago when um, Office Max and Office Depot merged mm -hmm. and I got to work on that monolithic merger, the decision was made for it to move to Florida. And at that time I said, you know, I've been very fortunate to enjoy my public company work, but I really had an itch because I was advising early stage companies and thought, what the heck, I'll take a chance, try to become an entrepreneur, see what that's all about. And if I want to go back, I'll, I will. And frankly, I, I just never would. It's mm -hmm. been another brand new learning curve. Um, I'm a babe in the woods when it comes to this space, but I'm learning fast. Uh, I've gotten to work on two early stage companies. I met Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks, totally by luck. A mutual friend introduced me to them while I was on the board of Roundies, which is a Midwest grocer. Right. And um, I fell in love with it. It's an incredible brand. And I've been now working full time on it for the last three years. And I'm the lead investor. Um, mm -hmm. I'm learning about venture capital and private equity and how these things go through different stages and how you bring different leaders and, and different knowledge to the benefit of, of these early stage companies. It's been a really terrific new 20-year career. Mm -hmm. Great. Tell me about the drink. What's so special about it? Mm. So Spire Healthy Energy Drinks is a no-sugar, no-carb, no-calorie green tea and guarana-based uh, drink. It's got about as much caffeine as a strong cup of coffee, but it's really refreshing and you can drink it multiple times a day. So it's nothing at all like a Red Bull or a right, Monster. Bill, right. It has large doses of B and C vitamins, which help with mental alertness and focus. So it's really both a physical and mental smooth uh, lift that is focused primarily on people like us, on women who are looking for an alternative to empty cola and coffee and tea and want something that's got flavor, but also has these benefits to help them with a more healthy and nutritious option. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what Aspire is. We have four delicious, refreshing flavors. <laughs> um, and we've been fortunate now to be in five countries, uh, 40 states, 4,600 stores in the U.S. Um, we're in Costco, U.K., Iceland, Spain. We just got Japan. Um, we're in east, west, north, and south uh, states in the country and large retailers. And it's uh, a daily excitement when we get a call that another retailer has decided to authorize us or take another flavor. So mm -hmm. um, it's funny, after being in very large brands, how little small wins are just the most amazing part of our week. <laughs> oh, sure. I know. I was uh, in the corporate setting for 13 years and then became more of an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. And so I spent my time there, not as much as you, but uh, it is uh, it is much different. So I can't wait to try the drink. It sounds like something. I'm a big coffee drinker in the morning, but in the right. afternoon it would give you you know a nice boost you know in yes. the afternoon, and it's healthy. Which you know I drink a lot of Lacroix for water, and it sounds mm -hmm. like it's got all the other things that Lacroix does not have. So can't right. wait. Yeah. yeah, people can learn about it at AspireDrinks.com. AspireDrinks.com. Uh, Good plug. Out. Good plug. <laughs> Thank you. So the last five, six years, you've been an entrepreneur. 
after 32 years in corporates, large corporations, public companies, um, what's it like? What's the transition like going from working as an executive in a large corporation like that to entrepreneurship? Tell me some of the differences mm-hmm. and what's yeah. how it's been. The number one thing I miss the most is my executive assistant. It's <laughs> like you, you know, have somebody who used to manage my life and organize my travel and my schedule and my meetings. And but it's been an interesting transition to. A uh, couple of highlights. I mean, one is that things don't get done unless you do them. And when you're working with a handful of other people, it takes a lot of people at the yoke to pull a business forward. Um, I've been absolutely uh, astounded by how relationships of 32 years with retailers and other people along the way have really been a benefit to my helping the company grow. You know, I still have relationships with retailers who are giving us a shot and friends in the industry who are investing in us. And that fact that your reputation is not based on the current business card you hold, but it's based on years of relationships you've cultivated is something that is even more poignant to me today than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to talk a bit about networking, but Mm -hmm. it isn't networking. It's true relationships and an authentic, long-standing commitment to common purpose that mm-hmm. has really come to bear in this stage of my career. Um, the 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 surprises of how even very large retailers will give a little brand a shot. Mm-hmm. You know that when we were big brands, they put us through the hoops. But even as a little brand, it's hard to get in. But once you get in, they want to give you a chance and. Mm-hmm. It's been refreshing to see that and know that there's opportunity there. Um, The fact that there are a million little things that can stop your brand in its tracks, but also a million little things that can come mysteriously together to make it go forward fast is, you know, it's a combination of of mystery and and hard work, but Mm -hmm. um, it's intriguing. And then the best of all is the team that I'm working with are all seasoned people, but with extremely different and complementary skills. Mm. And how a small business can be derailed by not having the right balance of skills Mm -hmm. um, and how important it is to pull together as a team when you really have to realize that your success is based on, you know, five other people, not a giant corporation behind you. Mm -hmm. So it's been, um, it's been learning ups and downs, but it's been a great experience so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And that's the thing that, that just gives me juice around being an entrepreneur is every day can be different and you have a small team and everyone has to be really good at what he or she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, in corporations, there is, you know, people can be kind of mediocre, even to mm-hmm. the point of being incompetent. And I'm sure you've seen it throughout your career. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, uh, no. You know, in a small company, everyone no has place to, to, hide. No no place place to hide. No place to hide. No place to hide. So, uh, but that's exciting. And there are, you know, there are disappointments uh, every week. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. you think you're going to get something and you don't. But it sounds like right. you've leveraged all of the relationships you've developed over these 32 years to help you with this drink. Right? You can call people; they take your mm-hmm. call and maybe have them give you a chance. They're friends, right? Right. That's very true. And, um, you know, it's 
it's also mutual, right? Some of these companies are, or retailers are definitely looking to understand the new world of beverages and functional beverages. And, you know, I, I like to believe that this isn't a one-way request that, mm-hmm. you know, when we ask for them to help us, that we're bringing them something that's going to advance their business too. Sure. And without that kind of give and take, I, I don't think it works either. We've been successful with consumers. And that means that when we sell to a retailer, we have confidence they're going to get results out of it. So Mm -hmm. that's important. Fantastic. Uh, Kind of a combo question here. Uh, For the first 15 years of your career, you've talked about finding yourself as the only executive in, in the room and wondering kind of what you witnessed about yourself and the environment and I'm sure you've seen a lot of things, you've got stories, but the, but the gender biases you saw, subtle and not so subtle. I mean, what what did you see? And of course, uh, you've been at it for a while. I have too. It's different. It was different, uh, you know, 25, 30 years ago than it is today. But there is still some simmering, uh, not so uh, overt biases that go on. Talk about that. Yeah, I, I would put those into two buckets. There's one, which is these sort of unconscious biases that I don't understand why they aren't more conscious now yeah, (laughs) and they still aren't. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. And then the ones which are overt and intentionally uh, toxic. Um, Mm -hmm. So the unintentional, it's interesting to me that men particularly still often feel like their comments and their voice deserves to be heard more than a woman's. They'll still talk over me. They'll still not start by looking at me and saying, well, what do you think, Kim? Right. And so sometimes I feel a little like, you know, people describing the fifth child in a household scratching for the last dollop of mashed potatoes, you know, <laughs> and that still happens. Um, and happened to me even this week where we were in a meeting with a new person and Everyone wanted to talk to that person about marketing, and I'm the one who's supposed to be the expert on marketing. I should at least have the chance to express it first, our strategy, and then let everyone have color commentary. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Another that just continues to make me crazy is that men tend to to question women's financial acumen, Mm. whether it's their ability to understand the finances of the business, whether it's their ability to make articulate return and financial ROI kinds of arguments and discussions. Mm -hmm. It's like they have to double check your work or triple check your work or challenge it until they're absolutely sure that you're absolutely right. And I think that harkens a bit back to even as I talk to young women today, Parents tend to teach their sons about the the financial side of corporations. Mm-hmm. How does the stock market work? How does a PL work? What is a balance sheet? What does it even mean? You know, how does a share, what is the, the net value of a company? And they don't really explain that to their daughters. So we start late. And when we start late, you know, we tend to get questioned. Um, so those are two that are less direct, but seem to happen um, most often to me. Um, On the most toxic, you know, there are people who really, truly like that women work hard and will do the work and they'll keep them in their stable of hardworking women and not give them the advancement opportunities Mm -hmm. that they'll give men. Or particularly, I see it in recruiters and 
HR leaders, a woman will have to interview 15 times for the, for the job, whereas a man might only have to go through six interviews. Interesting. It's like, let's be absolutely, totally sure she's really, really capable, right? Right. right. So these are things that I just see and I still see, and I wish that they would be remedied. Mm-hmm. But I think they'd be remedied by us just having a stronger voice and right. continuing. Speaking up, right? Mind, yeah, mm-hmm. to remind people, not just, hey, I am a smart person, which they don't need to hear, but, you know, reiterating your point of view and not being afraid to do so. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly right. Really good. One piece of advice you have for women is when you have an idea, when you have a belief about where to go next on something in the company, don't back down. Believe in the idea, champion it, and get yourself on the radar. What? Uh, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you a learning I had early in my career, which was good that it happened early. I was always very mission-driven. You know, if somebody said we were going to go get this thing done at this time with this money, I was on a mission to get from point A to point B in a straight line. And at one point, somebody said to me, you know, Kim, you will go further if you take time to bring key stakeholders in along the way. And that might require you to take a little bit of a sideways step or a little extra effort over here, over there, or seek input along the way. And my first reaction was, well, that's just going to take too much time. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but it was very good advice because truly the, the idea ends up sticking. It ends up getting done and having support far longer than if you just said, Hey, look, I got to the finish line and I got, I got there with all the parameters met, but without the support of key stakeholders and others, by the same token, you can't be held back by people who, who try hard to make you not achieve your goal. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to make the call along the way and say, listen, appreciate the input. I'm going to keep moving here and we'll take that into consideration. So I have seen women get derailed by having to be too um, involved with stakeholders who try to hold them back. So there's a balance. Mm-hmm. There's a real balance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, people with uh, on your team and not on your team. And there is sabotage that goes on out there, right? Right, I mean, right. Sometimes. Yeah, sabotage or or just sort of, again, that let's question five times the thing that you're doing that I would only question the man twice about, right? Yes, I've seen That's it. when you just got to say, look, I'm going to cut to the chase here and move on. And you do it in a you know, professional way, but that exists and you have to recognize that too and get mm-hmm. it you know, contained. But not give up on your idea that you know is good, right? Is that what you're no, saying? Right. I have one story for you that was yeah. kind of fun. I w- was working for a company that was cash strapped. We were, uh, we were way ahead when e-commerce was new at building a really extraordinary e-commerce platform, but we needed a million dollars to launch it. And we sure didn't have easily a million dollars without making some hard choices. But I kept pushing and championing this thing internally to a point where a lot of people were saying, Kim, you know, really, is this folly? I mean, and I said, no, look, here's our clients are ready to buy this. So our CEO took a leap after I just kept persisting on this, took a leap. And within six months, we sold $20 million worth of this product. And I, my team was the only team in the whole company to get a bonus that year because we took a million dollars, we made $20 million of revenue out of it. And I think it was like $8 million in profit. 
And sure enough, you know, we were rewarded for that. But along the way, it was maddening. It took me Mm -hmm. months of just persistent pursuit to get that done. Mm -hmm. But I knew we could do it. Yeah, you had the confidence you could do it, uh, I think. And you took the risk that it might not work, right? There's a chance Mm -hmm. that it wouldn't work, right? But you felt like this is a good idea. I'm going to push it. And uh, I believe it's going to work. And I think in corporations, there is a reluctance often to not do that because, you know, play by the, you know, play, you know, very easy in the middle. Don't make waves, you know, don't lose your job, you know, but that takes risk, you know, to recommend something that uh, isn't sure, but you have confidence in it. So don't back down and go forward, right? And we had first mover advantage. I knew if we weren't the first to go in our industry, mm-hmm. we would end up looking like the Me Too and it wouldn't be yes. as easy to get those first clients. Mm-hmm. So that was what drove me at that particular time. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, folks, we can be the first. Yes. Neat. Really cool. Uh, one of the things we talked about is women blowing their own horn. Um <laughs> Talking about uh, just, you know, reminding people about our accomplishments, you know, marketing. I'm a big marketer. Um, you said and something that I, I related to, you know, in a corporation, especially for young women that are first coming out, maybe just their first job in, out of school. If they leave me alone, I assume that they are happy. And I thought, oh, that is what I used to do. I, right. If they leave me alone, I assume they're really happy with my good work. And, right. you know, in a performance review, I have often come in and said, you know, here's what I've done. If I disagree with how I'm rated on something, you know, I, I say it. They're not used to it, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. what would you say about this around women, you know, promoting themselves? Yeah, I would say that for the most part, women underpromote themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, we all react negatively to the idea of blowing our horn or promoting ourselves. But the fact is this, we will gain uh, professional um, reputation by getting results and we'll gain it by taking our businesses and our companies forward. So there's nothing wrong with getting credit for accomplishing those things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to go, look at what I did, because let's face it, we do it with a team. Right. But what I do think is that I wish that I had done this more. I wish that I had, on a very regular basis, spoken with my boss and my peers in a way that would present results and and articulate that in a way that is... Um, assertive that my team, my leaders, my organization has gotten these results. And then there's no question that you've claimed them, so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? It's really not about having someone go, hey, a girl, you did a great job, Kim. It's more about, you know, when they do succession planning, when they look for the next person to promote into a role, what do they do? They say, what have they accomplished? And if we assume they've seen it, or we assume that they know that it came out of our organizations, that's just a false assumption Mm -hmm. because there are so many people in an organization, it's easy for that to get lost. Mm -hmm. So I think that you should get into a habit of going into your boss routinely and saying, here are the progress. Here's the progress we've achieved. Mm -hmm. Here are the numbers behind that. Here's what it means to the company or our customers or our sales teams. And now here's the next thing we're going to go do. 
-hmm. And then you have a record of consistency about talking about your results that doesn't look like blowing your horn, but it does claim right to being the one who led it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Great advice. Great advice. Just uh, speak up, be prepared, maybe quarterly meet with your boss or just remind them, you know, what you've done and let them know that you're ready for the next promotion if you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not, by the way, women mm-hmm. tend to wait too long to ask for the next promotion. Right. And then men will just... say, yeah, I'm, I'm qualified if I have three of the 10 requirements. <laughs> so we, we tend to wait till our whole Girl Scout badge is done before right. we go before, and ask for it. Yes. Them. I used to get Girl Scout badges. Did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. um, one of the things you said, I've heard you say, um, is complaining gets nothing. It does nothing. What are you going to do about it? Right. Right. How do you feel about that? You have a story or anything there? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's multiple ways that happens. Sometimes you get into a executive team meeting and everyone spends a long time tossing around a problem. And as a good leader, you know, one of the things we can do is start to ask the question, what will it take? You know, what will it take to change this? What are the options? What is the first step we could take to remedying this problem? Instead Mm -hmm. of just letting organizations, whether it's peer groups or your own team, wallow in the problem, right? Um, And then there's also young people who will come in and go, I don't have this. I don't know this. I don't want this. And same thing. I say to them, you know, you're like a cat that just dropped a dead mouse on my mat. What do you want me to do about this? You know, tell me what your description of the better solution would look like. And it often does keep going back to questioning back the person, right? Mm -hmm. Just what would be better? What are the options? Are we just going to play victim here? And So there is, um, you got to always have this attitude of don't go with the complaint or the dead mouse, go with an answer or go with a phased solution of the problem. You know, Lean and Six Sigma are great places to go to figure out how to solve problems in a systematic and piecemeal way if lean and there isn't an say that easy again. answer. Six lean. Sigma or Lean, the two process uh, management systems for answering problems. Okay. So I know you're talking about complaining, complaining, but from my point of view, it's about getting to the root cause of that. You know, what is the problem and how are we going to solve it? Right. Yeah. And I think uh, I have a theory about people um, that 80 percent, maybe even as high as 90 percent, and maybe it's being not wanting to do something or apathy or something. They don't see something that needs to get done and take initiative Mm -hmm. and do it. And I, I, I do that, and maybe not always, but I see it, and I say, you know, you, we need to do this. And, uh, right. you know, I've had experience around that. Well, you know, there's also the concern and real concern that sometimes people take inaction as the path because the culture of their organization does not encourage them mm-hmm. to take an action. And I've seen that repeatedly. When I joined one company um, I did one-on-ones with both all my directs and all their immediate directs down, mm-hmm. one step down. And one woman said to me, I asked her, I said, what are the best things we're doing and what are the things we need to be doing differently? And she said, do you really want me to tell you that? Yeah. I said, yes, I do. She goes, nobody 
in the 15 years I've been here has asked me to tell them what I thought we should be doing better. And I've really not said anything because I don't think they want to hear it. Wow. So when you're in a culture that is like that, you either have to champion a change of that or get out, get to a culture where you are able mm-hmm. to speak your mind and take leadership. And sometimes people either won't take the time to change the culture themselves or they don't recognize when they're in a culture that is fundamentally stifling their ability to be good leaders. Mm-hmm. So I think those mm-hmm. are you know, important considerations too. Right. And we have to be really aware as people, women, professionals in companies where uh, we are, if our values do not match those of the company or there is a huge um, uh, displacement between my values and the values of my company, I need to leave. You know, unless unless that company changes, I'm not going to change. Uh, mm-hmm. But I feel strongly about that, that uh, people's values need to match those of their company. I do, too. And I, I've always been a proponent of trying to make it change mm-hmm. as well, like not yep. just abandon it. Right. But there are some where they're just so deep-rooted yes. that um, it isn't worth spending years mm-hmm. of frustration yes. um, if you don't feel like you can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. You had an experience where you were involved in a compensation study, and in that compensation study, you discovered that perhaps you might be undercompensated. Uh, Tell me about that. Yeah, it's actually a story related to that. Okay. I, I helped an organization do a compensation study for chief marketing officers. And my story was that um, when I was a senior vice president at a company, we made an acquisition. And as part of that acquisition, we were given everyone's resumes so that we could decide who we were going to recruit to be on our teams from both companies in the new organization. Mm -hmm. Well, the company accidentally gave all of us each other's compensation information. And I discovered that I was underpaid versus my peers of equal experience and training by $35,000, which was a lot in those days. And these were men, right? I assume they were men? Oh, all men, yes. Okay. (laughs) I walked into my boss's office with the big book of this information, and he just looked at me. He goes, I'm going to make it better. I said, yeah? And he goes, no, come see me tomorrow. Next day, he handed me a check for $35,000 and he goes, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to make this better. I said, well, good. But then, you know, I had to look back on the fact I'd been working for him for four years undercompensated. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think what everyone needs to recognize is today's transparency about pay allows you to be very forthright about what are you being paid? How are you being paid versus peers? If you're paid less, what is it that will allow you either from training or experiences or special assignments to grow in your compensation? Um, You know, Glassdoor gives you some insight and most companies have bans, but smaller Mm -hmm. companies really still don't have very transparent, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. compensation information. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I've coached all the young women I work with. Make sure you know going in how compensation is structured. Make sure you know what's required to get bonuses and raises and promotions. Mm-hmm. And 
really be prepared to ask for what you are are worth. Ask for it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Ask ask for it, and then even ask for more than maybe you think you deserve, and you know, then you'll get you'll get more. But I think a lot of women um, don't ask for it. I I had one right. lady that I interviewed for this podcast, Amy Hansen at uh, Macy's, and she said uh, that in her career she didn't when she made an offer to women they never came back and asked for more ever oh i know isn't that amazing? ever you know and the guys yeah. always did can you give me this right. can you give me that you know benefit the negotiation so right. yeah we well, have and to it's ask. worth being creative too i mean there today's world is also more flexible on job structures and mm-hmm. scope of work and so if you feel that you're ready to take on more, but there's not a direct promotion available, mm-hmm. you can go and say, look, there's these three projects that no one's leading. Can we add that to my scope of work? And for that, I would like, you know, an additional X, Y, Z. And companies are getting a little more flexible because the workforce is getting harder and harder to find the right talent, mm-hmm. right? In this yeah. low unemployment state, companies need to keep employees happy. So it's important that you're creative and build a career that and compensation that suits you based mm-hmm. on your skills and what you can offer. And the value, uh, making sure mm-hmm. you're valuable to your company and to your boss. I, I've spent mm-hmm. my career trying to be valuable to you know, the guy I report to or woman I report to. And right. then they want to pay me more, you know. <laughs> true, true. So uh, let's talk about networking. You had mentioned it early in our talk here. Um, you said something interesting. Don't network for optics to be seen, but do it to expand your horizons. What does that mean? Right. So, you know, I'll start by just saying that I've had so many people say to me, I don't network. I don't believe in networking. It's like, okay, don't call it networking. Call it building relationships that help you to learn more and become a more well-rounded leader. And, and person, mm-hmm. because networking is nothing more than making sure that you ha- lift your head up from your daily work inside your own world and your own company and your own function and reach out to learn. So, um, yes, it's true that the word networking is used for how important it is to advance your career or, you know, become more prominent in your industry. But I've never treated networking that way. I've always said to myself, what don't I know? What would I like to learn? Hey, there's a person who has some really interesting approaches I'd like to have a conversation with. Gee, you know, I'm in the manufacturer's side of the industry. I'd like to know more about retail. I'm going to go talk to that person. So if you treat it more as how do you look for learning from other people that you admire and respect, Mm -hmm. you will instead build lifelong relationships and you will learn things that other people will never learn, which yes, then come back to support a better career and more advancement and more people knowing who you are so that they can tell others. But it isn't for that purpose. It's for the purpose of really having stronger interconnections Mm -hmm. in and around your world. And by the way, those interconnections are not just about your work or your career. Mm -hmm. You know, over the years of my career, I found that I've met some of the most extraordinary people in volunteer situations who Mm -hmm. have taken leadership roles. So here in Chicago, I've met so many healthcare women through the 
um, Go Red for Women American mm-hmm. Heart Association. Right. I've now been involved nine years. These women leaders are extraordinary. They're way outside my career space, which is health. They're in healthcare, but because of the way they approach healthcare and what I'm learning about healthcare, it shapes my thinking in the work that I do every day as well. So I am a big, big believer. Now, I want to tell you one more story, which Mm -hmm. is there's a group called the Network of Executive Women that was started um, about 16 years ago by a group of women in the consumer goods industry Mm -hmm. to help attract, advance, retain, and develop women to stay in the industry because they were notoriously leaving at senior levels for other careers. So I got involved the second year that they were um, in existence. And today I'm the board nominating chair of the network. But what has been amazing about the network is that there are now over 10,000 women from retail, manufacturing, service providers, all the sides of the industry. And talk about a place to meet amazing leaders and learn about your industry in depth. Mm -hmm. It has just taken the word networking well beyond networking to true relationships and in being an important part of who I am and how my world is shaped. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really encourage people to find their own way in networking, but Mm -hmm. do it and do it for your reasons, not for any other reason. Mm -hmm. Just to be seen out there, but sounds like a really rich experience. And we've talked to others on this podcast about community service and how it can Mm -hmm. really enrich not only our careers and connections, but us as people, you know, totally. to get out of our, our, our insular world of, of our industry, you know, mm-hmm. it's really and good. Perspective and, and recognize where your industry is limited and mm-hmm. how new ideas from other industries can really infuse mm-hmm. a fresh perspective. So right. yes, mm-hmm. can't speak more critically how important this is. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, I have a belief based upon my experience in business and internally with companies that I've worked with that, you know, we all make mistakes, but in my experience, it seems to me that men are forgiven for mistakes easier, that (laughs) we tend to be reminded that, Susan, you know, you did this. And, you know, so, and sometimes it's like, I don't get another chance or I might get another chance, but they continue Mm -hmm. to remind me what I did, you know? So, and I think there is a gender bias there. What, What do you think? Oh, yeah. I totally do. I've got a great example of that. And it also couples with my comment earlier that women get criticized for their financial acumen, right? So I joined this very large company um, and studied all the different marketing programs and discovered one that was costing us $12 million in expense and had a $7 million loss. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just pouring money down, down a sewer. Um, so I canceled the program. It had been around about 10 years, and I replaced it with another program that yielded $48 million in revenue and huge profit benefit. But these people loved this old program so much that all I ever heard was, you canceled the rebate program. You canceled the <laughs> rebate program. And on my review that year, despite the massive success of the new program, I got dinged for canceling this old program. I was absolutely flabbergasted in my in my review with the CEO. I just looked at him. I said, so you just want to listen to the complaints about this old thing that was losing us money, and you're not putting into my review this massive big success 
that we replaced that that use of dollars for. And I just, I still am flabbergasted by it because he just really, he's like, but you canceled the, I'm like, yes, I did. Our job is to make money, not lose money, I right. believe, right? Good, good for you to speak up rather than just yeah. nodding your head and saying, yes, I, right. I know it was a bad thing, the $7 million loss. I was bashed. I was harassed yeah. and bashed by my peers for that mm-hmm. for years. Right. Years. It and was You ridiculous. think there's a gender component there, right? Oh, most definitely. I mean, who is she to take our precious legacy program? And I even explained it ahead of time to everybody, and they nodded, but they didn't really believe I would actually take that program away. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Hmm. it was tough. Yes, that happens. Yeah. Um, You said this to me, and I thought, and I agree, I've seen it in companies, not the company I work with now. I work for a wonderful company, and just so happy to be here. But uh, you have had experience where you said toxic leaders sometimes are permitted to continue to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about a story where, you know, you've seen this, maybe you weren't treated fairly, there was maybe the good old boy network cronyism going on and <laughs> what what you did. Yeah, well, there's actually one of my greatest career heartbreaks is a story around this. Um I was asked by the CEO of a company to move over to work for a relatively new leader to the company and because he felt he had too many direct reports. And I first advice is never stop reporting to the CEO ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So being a good doobie, I went ahead and did that. And I knew this other person and I thought, you know, we would have a perfectly legitimate and good working relationship. Well, it turned out that he avoided me for about two months. And one day I came in the office and my assistant said, I'm worried, Kim, somebody told me you had been fired. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And she said, no, uh, some guy heard it on a golf course and told someone else who told someone else who told someone here. And I said, well, I'm still here. It turned out that, in fact, this new boss had hired someone he thought he could replace me with put him in another department while he worked on getting rid of me. And then HR informed him that, no, in fact, you can't eliminate someone whose performance is fine. Right. You have to eliminate the position if you want to eliminate the person. Mm. So overnight, he eliminated my position, of course, my role. And it broke my heart, right? Mm. And this individual, um, the CEO later apologized to me and said, I had to let him do what he needed to do with his team. I'm like, well, not really like this at all. And of course, he couldn't put that new person into the job because it was illegal. This person then left this company six months later, went to another company that went bankrupt, Hmm. went to another company where um, he recently was uh, let go for having a consensual affair with a coworker. So here's a person who not only got to do that to me, went to another company and another company. And these people, I don't know how they keep getting uh, senior level jobs when even it's even public mm-hmm. what it is that they do that is toxic. So it's disturbing because, frankly, if a woman had a black mark on her record, she'd never be employed again. No way. No way. And, no, a woman would not get away with that. After, no. You know, and it's. 
he sounds like he's persuasive and you know it's uh it's unfortunate it is right. and, and i'm sorry you had to go through that but those are there's stories yeah. well, out there like that it would be a tough cookie you know oh, i can tell but, you a um, tough cookie <laughs> yeah i will say the positive aftermath of that because i yeah. was expecting you know that people would think something i had done something because of mm -hmm. the way that this happened the next day the president of hershey called me and said what the heck right yeah i found out that your personal reputation is the most valuable thing you can ever have and if you feel that you have done the very best you can do and you didn't do anything illegal or immoral, you can always stand proud and hold your head right. up. Hold and, your head up. Right. You know, I think those are the things you learn. It's was devastating because I loved my work and I was making some great, great results and I had a wonderful team. Mm -hmm. um, but these things happen. You run into buzzsaws. Mm -hmm. What we can do about it is not allow it, speak up about it have podcasts like this where mm -hmm. you share the stories so others mm -hmm. who face the same problem can say no i'm not going to accept this as an outcome you know right, right. um and i think it's starting to happen more and more i do still see every year two or three extraordinary very senior level people hit hard on that glass ceiling or their role is eliminated as a way to move them out instead of saying that their performance wasn't good which it was mm -hmm fine but they wanted these women out mm -hmm. it still happens and you know rather than just get mad we need to keep persevering and push ahead push so ahead. i do and i ended up running the merger with office max and office depot with some extraordinary other leaders who were very supportive and inclusive we had one of the most inclusive senior teams too we had two people of color we had two women we had four men we had a really great diverse leader team and it was refreshing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can bob up after that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I mean, if you had to go back and do it again, he wasn't talking to you. I mean, there wasn't interaction with him. And then your boss, or I guess I guess the guy above him said, well, I had to let him do what he was going to do. I mean, would you have done anything differently in that circumstance to keep oh, yeah. from being let go. I would have been far more vocal. I yeah. was so afraid at yeah. that moment. I was so shocked yeah. for one thing that it happened and that they they let it happen, this large public company. Mm -hmm. um, but I really wish I had taken on a much, much more aggressive and vocal position. Yeah. And to find out that way, that's awful. Oh, yeah. Well, you that's know. the good old boy network, yeah. right? Out um, in the golf course talking, you know, yeah. hey, I brought this guy in. He's over in this department, but we're going to let her go. Bringing his buddy in to take your job and you were doing a perfectly good job, you know? Right. 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 Absolutely. Yep. So. These things happen, but we shouldn't have them happen. It's just unfortunate. And yeah. those of us who've been through it should just encourage others, mm -hmm. you know, stand up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll ask you one final question, and um, you know you've got your Aspire drink. I can't wait to try it. Uh, you, you serve <laughs> on all so. these boards, and you know what's uh, what's next for you. Yeah, well, I will say that I'm on this journey that is so enlightening at a stage in my career that I couldn't have expected. You know, like we all think we do our main career for a certain number of years, then we go do some boards and hang out. Yeah. Well, this is now my career as being an entrepreneur in an adventure. Um, I hope what occurs is we have a great exit and that the money I get from that exit allows me to be a venture capitalist who will invest in supporting women-owned businesses. Cool. 
cool. In the venture world, women-owned businesses are highly underinvested. Yes. And the, the data about the bias against women-owned businesses continues. So I'm hopeful I'll end up with a venture fund and be able to be part of remedying that one. So that's what I hope is next for me. That's wonderful. Maybe I'll ask you to be a sponsor for my podcast. Hey, we'll see whether <laughs> I Let's get this fire sold. <laughs> um, Kim, thanks for joining me today. It's been wonderful. Yeah, I really enjoyed meeting you, and uh, and thanks for participating in the podcast today. And good luck to you. You are uh, you're a gem. Oh, absolutely, Susan. Thank you for what you're doing for everybody. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Follow us on Instagram at Leading She. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have many great ideas for women leaders.